Mama! What you doing? What you doing? Huh? What you doing? Did you see my video I sent you? No, not yet. Okay, where's your phone? It's right here. What are you doing? I'm sweeping. I'm getting ready to fold it. Why? You're always doing house. I know. Work. Look at my video. I want to Do you have like five, ten minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's already no. started. No, no, no. Look, look at what I want to do. I just texted to you. <sighs> Looks like we're going to have to continue this later on tonight, guys. Okay, so we don't have to wait till later on this evening. I managed to talk her into talking. <laughs> um, hi everybody, this is Jazz and I have my mom here with me in case you guys missed the intro. Um, sorry, say hi mom. Hey, hey, uh, Jasmine pulled me away from my housework, so uh, time to do this again. <laughs> I'm super excited for this series. If you missed the intro, please go back, kind of get caught up a little bit, but I'll be doing a series with my mom. I was born with a rare genetic skin condition. I like to say skin discovery versus condition or disease. And it's where the layers of skin aren't bonded. So when friction comes in contact, it forms blisters. It causes the skin to come off. It not only affects the outside, but the inside as well. With this series, I just wanted to really just cover a lot of things that not only I went through growing up, but perspective of what my mom went through as well. Because I know there's a lot of new parents out there or parents that have been dealing with this for several years and there's so many unanswered questions. You don't really know what's gonna pop up or how to really handle it. And so I just feel like this series is gonna help a lot of people out there. So in this video, I'm super excited because we're gonna be talking about the birth before I was born and then after I was born um, I'm probably just gonna turn it over to my mom and just let her tell her story about all of that get into my siblings my lovely brother and how he likes to pick and pick and pick <laughs> but no we've got a lot of exciting stories to tell you guys so I'm passing it over to my lovely beautiful mom from the first time when we were talking about how they brought you in my room and the doctors did say that Jasmine was missing skin on both her thumbs and her thumbs were tucked inside of her fists. So I guess when she was in the womb, that's kind of how, you know, we just guessed that she had made a lot, like two little fists. And so the doctors assuming that, of course they didn't know what was going on with you. They were assuming that since your thumbs were tucked inside your fists, it didn't get any type of uh, circulation, so no skin grew. I mean, it was literally no skin at all. It was just like raw tissue. So I felt like I was very relaxed. I was taking everything well. I wasn't freaking out. Like I, I felt like the spirit had kind of covered me and made me feel very strong and okay, let's see what's going on and gonna get through this. And so we, we had her on Friday and I came home on a Sunday. So, you know how they poke the baby's heel to draw blood? Well, the nurse put a little Band-Aid on. So when we got home, we were settling in and I remember giving her like a little sponge bath. So I took the Band-Aid off, this little bitty, you know, circle Band-Aid on the back of her heel. And when I was taking it off, I noticed that her skin looked very thin and very loose. And 
throughout the day, I noticed that she had like little, little bumps, little red bumps all over her body. So I'm thinking, oh gosh, she's already getting, you know, a little summer rash, you know, born in May. Within a couple of hours, these little rashes were kind of getting, getting big. It was mostly of them like on her chest, her arms, top part of her feet. And so we decided to take her back to the hospital. That was, like I said, she was born on Friday and we had her back at the hospital on Sunday. And I was, wasn't freaking out, but I was concerned. I was a little worried, like, you know, what's going on. And from the time that I was at home, when I took the little bandaid off, by the time we got to the, the hospital emergency room, there was a bunch of fluid in this little circle of a, a shaped bandaid. I didn't know what was going on. So the doctors took her in and they drained the one on her foot and they just said it was just body fluid liquid. No bacteria, no infection, no nothing. And the doctor was really, really concerned. I, you know, his name was Dr. Kenneth Cole, I think it was. And he was a, a very good pediatrician doctor. He was very concerned. He started doing homework and just trying to call around to see what was going on other than that. They were just telling me to just wrap her in little gauze. They were draining a couple of the blisters and, and go from there. And then I brought her home and I just started watching her and paying attention to the little the little uh I, of course i didn't wasn't calling them blisters then but it just looked like a rash but they were you know had like little fluids underneath the skin so she was just a little fragile thing so i started carrying around on a pillow and you know um, like a queen <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i put her on a, a, a standard size pillow and that's how we carried her around because she was just a little fragile thing, but beautiful, and we were loving on her, and uh, the kids were excited, a little baby around, and... Did they say anything about testing, or um, was that later on? Well, well I, I know when, when we back. were at the emergency room, they ran some tests, and they couldn't find nothing but just fluid, fluid. Mm -hmm. And then I think I took you back to the doctor like two weeks follow-up after that, and of course you had more blisters on your body then, and... So they were just, he said, well, let me, I'm going to contact some doctors in Dallas. And because this is just a small town that we were in, Cleburne, Texas. And it was just, the doctors didn't know anything. They said that they've seen it in textbooks and stuff like that, but they've never seen it in person. So meanwhile, I just kind of took my instincts, my mother's instincts, my common sense instincts, Going back to how my mother raised us and took care of us when we wasn't well or sick, all that started coming to the forefront for me. And that's kind of like, I just started kind of like on my own. I didn't have anybody to talk to, anybody to share, uh, no one to call other than just the, uh, her doctor and a couple of nurses. And we were just waiting in time. Meanwhile, Jasmine wasn't eating well. She wasn't taking her formula. She didn't. She wasn't sucking anything. It was almost like every three, four days we were just back and forth to the doctor's offices. And then they looked down into your throat, your esophagus area, and then that's when they found that you had blistering in your mouth, tongue area, and that the suction from the nipple it just wasn't nothing was happening you weren't eating and you were losing a couple little ounces there and you were already small like six pounds 13 <laughs> ounces you couldn't afford to lose no so she was losing a little bit and um you know this is over a period of weeks after she was born so the nurse gave me some plastic syringes 
the ones that hold ounces and she because we were trying nipples all kind of nipples you, of course she wouldn't breastfeed and, and nothing was working so it was it was really hard You're watching your baby go through this and you don't know what to do but just try to do your own home remedies and that's kind of what I did I didn't really pay attention to things I mean she wasn't eating well at all I, I just did my own. I, I didn't listen to nobody. I didn't listen to doctors. Oh, you don't you don't can't feed her this at a certain time. I just you know you had to eat something. <laughs> so when the doctor the nurse gave me these plastic shrins, I start pouring her formula into the shrins, and I was squirting them slowly into her mouth. And you know how normally uh, when a mother is feeding her baby, you all you go and prepare the milk in the bottles, and you you got them all ready in the refrigerator. Well, I couldn't do that. I had to put her formula in a container in the refrigerator and when I, as I needed, I warmed it up and then I would pour it in syringes. So we went everywhere with these plastic syringes. Those were her bottles for probably a couple of months. After a while, she still was losing little ounces and they ended up admitting her in the hospital and then they had to force feed you through a tube. Mm -hmm. um, I think you were in the hospital maybe a, a week or so. And meanwhile, they just, this is next, you know, a couple of months passed. You were a couple of months old and I was still dealing with the uh, wound care. And I mean, I didn't really wrap you, I only wrapped what was needed to be wrapped. And- Is there a reason why you only wrapped certain spots? Well, I, I've, I mean, I didn't know anything about how they, kids go through their wound care now, how they wrapping them now. The way I wrapped Jasmine when she was a baby, like if she had a little blister on her knee area, I just wrapped the knee. I didn't wrap the whole leg. And the reason why that, because I felt like it will prevent her mobility and her motor skills of moving her joints, moving around. If she had a little blister on her, the back of her elbow, I just wrapped that part. If she had it on her wrist area, I just wrapped that part. She had like little patches of uh, wrapping on her body. I refused to wrap you completely because I didn't, I felt like her arms would be stiff and her legs would be stiff. You know, she was just only a couple of months old, but I wanted to raise her as normal as possible as I can instead of um, enabling her. And I felt like when, when you wrap the way, uh, when you wrap all the way up to your, from your ankle all the way up to your, uh, your knees, uh, I mean, there's some parents that have to do that, but I felt like in Jasmine's case, I didn't have to wrap her that way because her blisters were more spots of blistering. Mm -hmm. For example, after you gave me a bath, did you immediately wrap me up or? No, um, I would, this is something that I, I, in my, in the back of my head, my mother would have done. When I bathed you, I, I pat you off and I would lay you on the bed, kind of be there with you and I'd cover you up with a towel, but I would consider it air drying. Mm -hmm. I would, I would never want to wrap you when your, your skin was moist or wet. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I felt like that would cause uh, moisture being wrapped up and closed up, but that could cause bacteria that can turn into infection and that can turn into odor. So yeah. that's something I know my mother would have, would have done. And so. I think it is good that the skin does get that balance yeah. of air mm -hmm. and being protected and covered up because for example, a quote unquote normie, you go and you cut yourself with a knife and you go and you put a bandaid on, but you're in and out of the water. When you go and you take that bandaid off, you know that that skin is moist, it looks mm -hmm. white. Right. And so you do need that balance of air and being covered up 
in order for the wound to heal properly right. because mm -hmm. that constant moisture is breaking down the skin constantly, constantly, and it's not getting that chance yeah. to become stronger. So I would just lay her on the bed and have a little towel or blanket over her body and I'd just let her lay there and just play with her feet or and let her do a little air drying for 15, 20 minutes before I put your pajamas on. And one thing, another thing I would put on a bodysuit kind of pajama on you so that would keep me from having to wrap you up. Mm -hmm. With all the gauze. With all the gauze mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I would put her in little onesies. Even if it even if it was summer, I made sure they were summer pajamas. Mm -hmm. Cool, the fabric was thin. And if you did start doing a little scooting or crawling around, the pajamas would protect you just as, as well as a gauze would. So I just believed in airing her out. Uh, you know, I just always aired you out. And I still do that. It, it took me a while to figure it out on my own because I'm very stubborn. But, you know, I used to get out the tub and put my socks on immediately. But now, you know, I do pat it dry. I try to sleep with no socks on at night. Um, and I can definitely tell the difference yeah. a little by little when I do try to get my skin to breathe. And it was a while. I mean, it was a while before I was able to even find out what she even had. I think you were like four or five months old, we discovered that she had EB. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, when they epidermalized, I sometimes I struggle <laughs> pronouncing it, but I'm like, how do you spell that? <laughs> Short for EB. I'm like, well, I'm going to call it EB then. <laughs> but yeah. It is a tongue twister for yeah. sure. So we went up, we went up to Dallas. Well, of course, before that, we took you to Dallas at a hospital up there and they did the skin biopsy on you. And then that took like two months to get mm -hmm. back. And then when we got it back, that's when they explained to us what you were born with. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, where do I go from here? And then that's when someone had told me about Deborah mm -hmm. uh, Foundation in New York. Mm -hmm. And so I got a hold of them, gave them my name, number, and then they summed me this little, I wish I, I mean, it's probably buried somewhere in boxes. It's probably in my baby box somewhere. But it's this little pamphlet they summed me. And I literally read that thing back and forth, up and down, memorize it and everything. And I would literally pull that piece of paper because that's all I had. That's all I had to talk. She didn't have Facebook, I didn't Instagram, have nothing. I had a, podcast, none a, of that. A three-page fold-over little pamphlet. And, you know, just other than that, that's all I had to read up on what was going on and just took care of you and just tried to live a normal life with you. And I had my hard days and my hard nights, but yeah, no one knew it. No one knew it. Had to take care of my baby. <laughs> <laughs> and so just to kind of switch things a little bit, I would love to, you know, I've never really asked or asked your perspective. And I want to get the perspective of my siblings too, especially now that we're older and can express the things that we can express. But on the subject of my siblings and daddy, how did you kind of approach it? How did you handle it? Were there ever any issues that you had to deal with between me and my four other siblings? Mm -hmm. I also kind of want to throw in there, I have a younger sister. I also kind of want to get your fill on what your, were your emotions when you found out you were pregnant and having another child? Were you worried about her having EB? Were you not worried? Was this going to be another walk in the park? Well, I, I remember when I would bathe you or I would lay you on the bed or take care of you. Uh, I would, David would be around or, you know, Brianna and Adrian. And, and I would 
try to explain on an elementary level to mm -hmm. where it wouldn't freak them out, but we call them bobos. And so that's how I would always tell, you know, we have to be careful. Jasmine's got these little bobos and we got to take care of them. And Jesus loves her bobos and we're going to kiss you and love her bobos. And that's pretty much how I would talk to my kids. Not baby talk, but I don't know. I mean, it was just, it was normal. It was just normal. I don't ever remember a bad situation where I didn't know how to explain to them what was going on. We just talk to them as the days go by, as throughout the day, and be mm -hmm. careful with her. And Did you find yourself treating me any different from the other four? Um, that was like later on, as you maybe got older or something, but no, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to single you out different from other kids. Other than taking care of your skin situation, I didn't, other than that, I didn't show any favoritism, I don't think, toward you and the other kids. I can tell maybe at the age of four, you were starting to get kind of independent. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I wanted every, I didn't want anybody to enable your mind and enable you physically. I didn't want to handicap you. Mm -hmm. So I was very protective over that to make sure no one else was going to handicap you around. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make sure that everyone was cautious in handling mm -hmm. you physically. And I think that's very important. It's it's definitely hard for parents, I can imagine, you know, not wanting to to treat your child differently or treating them the same as your other children, but just know that when you do treat your child in a mm -hmm. certain way, it's important to not highlight their handicap right. or their disability right. because it has a lot mm -hmm. to do with our mentality of how we do grow up mm -hmm. and how we are going to handle certain situations when we come face to face with them, whether you're going to be there or not. It's important to help guide your child in the right way to where they know that one day they can become independent because I remember very early on becoming independent and my parents not telling me, yeah. no, you can't do this or no you can't do that and it really did help me grow into the person that I am so I'm very very grateful that I got treated like all of my other siblings mm -hmm. and it wasn't a huge issue that I was quote-unquote different or not a normie kind of thing yeah yeah I, I raised try to raise all my kids to be independent and on their own and not enable them and just because Jasmine was born with a, a skin you discovery. Know, discovery. <laughs> yeah, it's a skin discovery. I did not want to feel sorry for myself. I didn't want to feel sorry for her. And I definitely didn't want anybody to feel sorry for her either. I just wanted to treat her as the beautiful little girl she was. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. I think this is amazing content. I am so excited. This actually stretched out way longer than I was like ever expecting, which I'm so glad because the more that you guys can hear our side of the story, the more you can not only get to know us, but kind of take what we tell you and turn it into something that you can utilize as well. So before we go, I would love to hear that one story about my older brother, Adrian. Oh. He is like four or five years older than me. Mm -hmm. um, and at the Mr. time- curious. Yeah, very, very curious. Mr. Curious. <laughs> so I'll pass that back my, on over to my mom. My little Chicho, my oldest son, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> He was a busybody back then, just always into everything, always just had something going on. 
Okay, Jasmine, you were in your little baby carrier and I sat you on the sofa. I think it was like two, three o'clock in the afternoon. I remember this like it was yesterday. It was Adrian and David were sitting on the sofa watching cartoons or TV or something. So I was going in the kitchen to prep some dinner. And like I said, when I bathe Jasmine, I always, uh, at this time, I think, well, Adrian was about five, six? Yeah. Yeah, five or five. six. And yeah, David was like three. They were sitting on the sofa and I just sat Jasmine there and I, I had just bathed her and I and she had blistering and, and her nails, her toenails, instead of growing straight out where you just cut your toenails, her nails grew up on top of each other. And it was to the point where I literally had to take her to a podiatrist to get them to file her toenails down. So this particular, she had, uh, it was her left foot, I think it was. I don't know if it was the, it was the, the baby toe, the baby toe. So I left her socks off because that sometimes she her her nail would literally fall off. They would fall off. Sometimes they would be inside of her socks, and I had to get them out. And this particular toe nail was still connected to her nerve, her skin, almost like a hangnail, and it was ready to fall off. It was just hanging there. So it was going to take another maybe four or five days before it completely fall off on its own. And I didn't want to put her socks on. I wanted her feet to air out. So she's sitting in her little baby carrier dressed and they were just in there watching TV. I was in the kitchen and I heard Adrian says, mama. And he called me mama twice. And I said, what? He said, come here. And I could hear Jasmine kind of crying in the background. And I, you know, I must have said, okay, just a minute. Just a minute. no mama, come here, come here. And next thing you know, you know how when a baby holds his breath, and then they let out this cry, you know, mm -hmm. oh, it was like a cry from hell. <laughs> it was like, I was like, I dropped what I was doing. I ran in there and her foot, her toe was bleeding. Blood just running down her, her, her toe. And I'm like, Adrian, what did you do? <laughs> and he's looking like, uh, uh, uh. and I knew then that he, cause Adrian liked to pick. He would pick his toes, he'd pick his toenails, he'd pick skin, whatever. He was a picker. So I think just sitting there watching Jasmine and he just noticed that her little nail was hanging off of her toe. He just decided he was just gonna go on and pull it off because it was still connected to her skin and nerve. It just killed her. So I was all freaking out because she was bleeding and crying. I had to pick her up. and. At that time, I wasn't even paying attention to Adrian, mm -hmm. but I was so furious. I was so furious, the fact that oh, he pulled her skin off, which it was an accident. He didn't mean <laughs> to because that's what he does. He's a picker. He's curious. He's curious. <laughs> so I knew it was an accident, so I had to go and take care of her. And then the next thing I know, I get on the phone with my, my girlfriend, and I just said, Adrian just pulled Jasmine's toenail off of her toe. And I remember when I was talking to her, I was gritting my teeth. <laughs> I was just gritting my teeth. And she says, Trisha, just pack him a little overnight bag and send him to my house. Just send him to my house. <laughs> and I'm like, so I don't know. So we packed him a little overnight bag. He was gonna go visit his cousin, Jermaine and Noah, and he was happy as could be. You thought he was going on a field trip. But that was a disaster though. But of course I had to wrap her foot up and 
kiss it. But he, I know he felt bad. He felt bad, and probably to this day, he, he yeah. he's sorry. For oh it. yeah, he but. he knows it was probably an accident. And yeah. I just have so much love for my siblings. Yeah, Shout out to you guys! Like you all are amazing. And as we get older and I'm more wiser and more mature, I just my love continues to grow for each and every one of you guys. For real, for real, I love y'all. Shout out to y'all. <laughs> so that yeah. is a wrap of well. That's a wrap for this video or podcast or whatever you want to call it. Thank you guys again so, so much for tuning in. Please share this video. Share the one before. We've got a couple more videos coming at you guys. <laughs> so, so excited. I cannot excited. wait. Love you guys. Thank you again for all your love and your support. And yeah. until next time. Tune in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>